Veggie Talk. Plain Talk. Unrivaled Talk. Mike Graham. The only radio show you can count on for a proper serving of good old-fashioned common sense. In search of the perfect debate. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On the app, on your mobile, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV, the one place where the excitement just never stops. I don't know what to tell you, ladies and gentlemen. It's been another extraordinary week. Uh, we've had a leadership contest, which is now down to the final five. I'd like to see some of them uh, being removed tonight at the debate. There's a debate going on Channel 4. Uh, we'll be covering it later on on the talk, of course, right here uh, on Talk TV. I'll be part of that panel uh, because it turns out that the Tory party has got actually a pretty wide open field right now. There are five people, almost any of them could end up winning. We're going to be talking to Andrew Bowie coming up later on in the show. He's a supporter of Rishi Sunak. An awful lot of people think Rishi Sunak's got no chance uh, with the grassroots conservative body of the hall. Uh, you uh, will know that I was endorsing uh, Penny Mordaunt earlier in the week. Richard Tyson's here with me today. Uh, he's going to tell me that that's a bad idea. Uh, he prefers uh, Kemi Badenoch. And lots of people do. Uh, so we're going to be talking about all of the uh, runners and riders. Tom Tugendhat, uh, who I think is not quite ready for prime time, uh, is not going to be going anywhere either. But we shall see. It's a fascinating story. It's a fascinating race. Loads of you want to talk about it. So we want to talk to all of you about it as well. 0344 499 1000. We're going to talk about energy suppliers as well. Dale Vince is coming on because uh, he's one of the companies, Ecotricity, uh, that's been accused of uh, wrenching people's direct debits all over the place. So they're paying ludicrous amounts of money for energy they haven't even used yet. I've always said you should not be using a direct debit if you can afford uh, not to. William Atkinson is going to be here as well from uh, Conservative Home. They've got uh, some kind of a, a streaming live debate going on this afternoon as well. Richard Taylor is going to be here. We're going to talk to Ian Williams about the latest from China. And Kevin O'Sullivan as well ahead uh, of he and I's show tomorrow night right here on Talk TV. We've got so much to do. Uh, let me just give you the number 0344 499 1000. Let me just ask you this question before we go anywhere else. What exactly... Has the current Tory government got against Penny Morden? Why are they so frightened of her? See if you can answer me that question. Let's do it. Welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. It's going to be hotter uh, than the Sahara, apparently, at some point soon. It's quite nice today. So I'm going to ask you another thing uh, while we do the show. We need your tips for staying cool. I've got one or two. Uh, we were on the talk last night. Somebody was suggesting rubbing an onion on you, which... It might not keep you killed, but certainly keep you lonely, I would have thought. Um, Richard Tyson's here. Very good morning to you. Good morning to you, Mike. I'm definitely not going to adopt that tip. That sounds no. absolutely terrible. Apparently the juice from the onion helps you to sleep. But, I mean, you'd probably be sleeping alone, I would imagine. <laughs> for uh, a very long time. For quite no, I think we'll I think we'll abandon that. But, yeah. goodness me, just... Just another quiet week in the uh, in the it? world of UK yeah. PLC. It is uh, it is quite extraordinary. That's I mean, we thought that if we somehow removed Boris Johnson, that it would become a bit more calm. But there's nothing calm about it, really, is there? Well, look, it's always going to be competitive. It's always going to be noisy. We always knew that uh, if he did leave, there would be a long cast of uh, applicants for his job. Mm. And sure enough, and so we're down to five. I mean, when I did my show on Sunday, yeah, I had my sort of snakes and ladders, people who were climbing up the ladder, yeah. and I could see then. The uh, the enthusiasm for Penny Morden yeah. was coming through on the tweets and yeah. the, the text messages loud and clear. Nobody, nobody was was pro Sunak, which mm. was quite telling. Yes, given that the bulk of the Tory MPs seem to be pro Sunak, does that mean that they're completely out of touch with the mood of the country? Uh, I think possibly it mm. does. Um, so no, clearly Penny Morden now. I think she's odds on favourite. She had a very good launch, but quite rightly, 
there's proper scrutiny of her track record, mm. uh, you know, of of actually what she said, what she's written, how she's performed, yeah. and I think that scrutiny is uh, is is probably more intense on her than anybody else. Yeah, but it's, why is that though? Because I find that quite interesting. Why well, are, are are so many people coming out and saying so many negative things about her? Well, it, well, it's the good and proper thing to do actually, because she's now the favourite. She's almost certain to make the top two. So quite rightly. Uh, you know, she should be scrutinised. Yes. And her track record well, should no, be scrutinised. Scrutinize. And there's, there's, some, <clears throat> there's some good things in her track record and there's some serious questions that she has to answer and I'm sure will want to answer yeah. over the next few days. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that if if the last two was Penny Mordaunt and Sunak, mm. she will win. Yes. And she will become the Prime Minister. And that's what I'm hoping will happen. And, and once and, again, you know, I will have picked the right winner. Well, as ever. once again... Uh, I, I wonder whether actually... She, I'm a bit nervous, Mike, yes. that you're beginning to lose your touch because you were right months ago when yeah. you called for Boris Johnson to I resign. Was. But then you bottled it and you lost your courage and you went a bit soft and woolly I think that's it. a mischaracterisation and, of what And you happened. said that he should stay. And then actually you were proved wrong again because actually he went. <laughs> so... Um, and now you actually no, that's not right. It I is right. No, he left. I, no, <laughs> no. When he, he left, he hasn't left the building. No, he hasn't left. When the job. he left, it was after I said he should now go. I did now. I did say that because so you came um, back to my what, way of thinking. No, what I did say was that he should not have left over Partygate when everybody else was saying that he should go. That was when I said he shouldn't go because it was the wrong time and the wrong reason to go. But by the time he got to the point where he'd screwed up Pincher to such an extent yeah. that nobody knew if anything he said was ever going to be true ever again, then he had to go. Which those of us who've been right all along have been saying for a very long time. Yeah, but I was right all along longer uh, than you. That's the thing. And also this smear campaign you're running against me, you know, I'm not having it. You know, you come in here every Friday, try and prove me wrong. So far, you haven't managed it. No, I think, well, let's let's see what people think. Yeah. But um, coming back to the uh, the favourite. So Penny Borden's got some some questions to answer. She's got some very strong, powerful supporters, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Equally, uh, the interview yesterday between Julia and Lord Frost was was a a devastating uh, challenge from Lord Frost. Yeah. It really was, and she's got to answer those uh, those questions because it's it's one words one person's word against another, so mm. to speak. Um, so it'll be very very. But interesting. But I found his attack on her to be rather unseemly, first of all, um, and it, and it kind of puzzled me as to why he was being so vitriolic. Because you know, if she was so terrible. Why are we only hearing about it now? You know, he was basically making out that she was on the missing list half the time. She didn't turn up. That she was kind of part-time working. She, 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 I think it was. It's only come now because now she's only this week has she become a serious contender yeah, but, to be prime minister. And no, in reality, before that, frankly, many, many people, millions of people, had never heard of her. No, well, you say that, but she's always been in the public eye, and she's more famous than most MPs. And again, I believe there's a kind of a, a campaign against her. I mean, she was on that television show. You know, how many MPs can you name who have been in some kind of weird diving competition, uh, which she's not very good at, by the way. She's stick to politics. Well, you know, in a swimsuit. Maybe, maybe that tells us. So, so no. people do remember her for that, and I think this idea that nobody knows who she is is ridiculous. Because if you go into the street and ask people who any number of politicians are, they can't recognise. Uh, that is that is that's, absolutely that's the right. Way it goes. I'm I'm just puzzled as to why, because then Lord Moylan came out and said something similar. You know, the, but maybe the, the, maybe that's because actually there's some truth to it. I don't and, think so. I smell it, a rat. Well, I, I think that it's quite right. Someone should be scrutinised, and it's for her now to answer those criticisms, those challenges. And mm. it may well be she's got very good answers. But why does? But there's why more doesn't... and more coming out. There are civil servants now. 
who I'm not obviously fans of, but it just seems there's more questions and challenges coming from lots of different directions, yes. not just Lord Frost. But Lord Frost, I believe, has uh, a wife, does he not, who's uh, who's who's working for Liz Truss? Um, yes, why we, doesn't don't, he say, we don't know exactly why doesn't, where. Well, why doesn't he say that he's got grave reservations about a woman who can't seem to find her way out of a room? Because you know, and who and who doesn't know how to make a public uh, performance can't make a public speech. You know, she was hopeless yesterday. Yes, look, but I wouldn't Liz, want to, I wouldn't want to Liz, see Liz her. Liz has never been a good uh, performer, and actually, Penny Morden's launch was good. But there are other, some, there are some other great candidates. I think the the candidate uh, that is on the upside has surprised most, and I think in terms of her policy proposals and her courage to take on difficult issues. That's your, um, um, that's, sorry, your Liz, um, that's your Liz Trust campaign uh, manager ringing you. Um, the, uh, the 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 courage to take on difficult issues, yes. without question, mm. is Kemi Badenoch, who uh, she's prepared to talk about net zero. She's prepared to talk about issues around free speech mm. and around culture wars. And I think she is. But the she's a bit like the Lib Dem candidate, isn't she? She can talk about those things because she doesn't really have much prospect of being. No, successful. no, I think I think no. She's she's a she's clearly a a brave, no nonsense candidate. Uh, who's who's very confident in her principled positions, yeah. and she's prepared to just tell it as it is. Oh, and, I think no, I think you're and I think that right. is that's very refreshing. I think she's a great candidate, but I don't think she's got much chance of winning. Which is why uh, I prefer Penny Morden because I think she has got more chance of winning. And I think the, the problem you will have if you push Kemi Badenoch or Badenoch too far, she will split the Penny Morden vote, and then you'll get Rishi Sunak. Oh no, 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 that, that, uh, then you'll get Rishi that's Sunak. That's completely wrong because because uh, you know Penny Morden is, is essentially on the left of the Tory party, whereas Kemi Badenoch is actually on the right, and if she splits a vote at all, then it's more likely to be splitting uh, the sort of the Liz Truss vote. But Liz Truss is not sense. on the right. How can you say she's on the right? She's a Remainer, right? She no, used to be a Lib Dem. No, she's, you know, she doesn't she, know which end is up. She can't find her way out of a room. Sorry, Liz, you're out. No, in terms of her policy positions, Liz is perceived as being on the right of the party. So she's, no, so she's quite rightly moved over to becoming a Brexiteer, and, and we should welcome and forgive those who. Who, who voted one way and they've, well, they've recognised the right. benefits okay. of, well, then of let's, Brexit. Well, then so let's play fair. That's... Well, let's play fair then. In that case, why not welcome uh, Penny uh, Morden into the new camp that she no, now I'm, professes I'm, to, to I, believe I'm, in, well, where instead of giving her a hard time for what she may have done in the past? I, because I think she's got to answer the questions that people quite rightly and legitimately are scrutinising her about and answer the criticisms. And it may well be she's got excellent answers to all of those things. But, for example, as a trade minister... Why is it that when she was a trade minister for three months, she hasn't been abroad at all? She refused to go abroad, apparently, because she wanted to launch her book. Really? Well, um, I mean, I don't know if that's mi- true. She's had the least meetings of any minister uh, in her department relative to other. There's lots of questions she's got to answer. That's the point, And I think that's proper scrutiny. And she may well come through it. Uh, you know, well, I've got a few questions for Rishi Sunak. Like, oh, why we've did all you got screw lots up? of questions. Why did you, yeah, but he's not being asked the questions, is he? You know, why did he screw up the economy? Why did he Correct. not give us a tax break? Why did he only give us five p off petrol when it was already nearly costing you two and I, pounds? You a and litre? I, we are we are totally aligned on that. Mm. I mean, he his track record as Chancellor is one of tax and spend. He is the he is the definition of the con socialist yeah. that I talk about a lot, and I think economically he would be a disaster. Mm. And also, how can you be Prime Minister of this country if your wife is not even a British citizen? And I don't say that with any uh, disregard for people who come from other countries, but she's an Indian citizen, and India does not not recognise that she can be a dual citizen. I I think that's irrelevant. I think that what's what's more... I I don't think it's irrelevant at all. It it doesn't matter where his wife uh, comes from or what citizenship she has. The fact that she was a non-dom and he rose taxes for everybody else in the country, literally everybody else in the country, 
except her and a few other non-doms. That, I think, was was utterly shocking, and he didn't get enough grief for that. But um, I think he, he would be bad for the country, and I think what's interesting is actually I'm not sure that Sunak could win almost against any of the other candidates mm. in a uh, in a two-person runoff uh, in the eyes of the membership. I think that's the thing that his supporting MPs are completely missing. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. This is going to be one of the hottest weekends of all time. They think it's going to get hottest Monday, Tuesday, but possibly starting on Sunday. Um, Richard, you do wonder, though, sometimes, don't you, whether or not it's actually going to be as bad as they make out? Because actually this morning I, I, I came out into the, into the street and it was quite pleasant. You know, it's not yes. too hot. So in fact, yesterday wasn't that bad either. Well, and it is mid-July. I yeah. mean, if it's not hot now, when is it going to be right. hot? And so I think for many, it's actually... But what about uh, all this very, talk of... very desirable. But, but I, yeah, I, I'm with you on this. So often, you hear about these sort of extreme forecasts that turn out not to be met. Mm. You think, hang on, you're the Met Office. You're supposed to be getting this thing, you know, right. And it is mm. 2022. It's not 1972. Right. You know, technology's moved on. You should get better and yes. better. So it'll be very, very interesting to, to see next week or whether they've completely kind of, over, overdone it. But you get all these weather doom-mongers saying, oh, well, you know, people should stay at home. And, you know, if you've actually got an air-conditioned office to go to, you're better off going to the air-conditioned office, aren't you? In the same way that if you've got an air-conditioned car, you're better off driving around in that instead of getting on maybe, a train. Maybe it's know. part of Jacob Rees-Mogg's, you know, getting people back working from home, <laughs> get into the office by well, saying exactly it's right. going to be hot. But all this nonsense that we're hearing about, you know, all, you know, the, the train rails may bend and buckle and you won't be able to run the train. You know, they run trains in town. Texas, which is uh, this hot for about half the year, and and you know we we built the steel tracks uh, that that um, that are in India, yeah. which obviously is much hotter. Right, I've seen them that were put down a hundred yeah. years ago, and they've survived and the heat in India, and they're still perfectly good and perfectly valid and perfectly solid. So you know, I just think this is nonsense. It's like the wrong type of leaves and mm. the wrong type of rain and the wrong type of sun yes. and heat. I mean, honestly. And I you see know. that, by the way, those n- nice, friendly uh, train workers are all going on strike collectively now for seven days. You know, they're claiming it's only three, but actually, or four. But if you add up all the days in between, it's actually a seven-day strike. Once you, just before the Commonwealth Games and the other one in August, 18th to 20th. Do you think it's any coincidence that it's they go on strike when it's nice and warm and they can go on, you know, a few days break? I mean, well, they never seem to go on strike in the depth of winter, do no. they? No, and they all seem to go on strike around bank holidays as well. So the bank holiday for them becomes a sort of five-day um, fest of being off they don't have to... no, we should we should be positive and we should say oh, that's just a pure coincidence yeah of course it is but i mean you know when are these idiots going to stop um, bringing the country down and trying to actually help us recover as opposed to trying to just well, get more and more money and i've constantly the challenged government. them saying look we understand that in a sense everybody's got problems with the cost of living we, we all understand that and of course it's infuriating when the bosses of the rails mm. company take huge Pay increases and and massive dividends to their offshore shareholders that that is is drives us nuts. But uh, look, the the reality is that uh, they should be linking improved pay to improved productivity yes. and performance. And when I've challenged them mm. on various shows uh, about this, they seem very reluctant to link it to performance. They do. Whereas in the private sector, we're completely used to that. Right. That's absolutely the normal. You get a bonus for doing a good job, yeah. doing it well. Hitting your targets, mm. fantastic. That's how you make progress. That's how the business does well. That, in this case, is how the country does well. And they're not interested in modernisation. I mean, they talk a good game, but they're not interested. You know, they get this money, uh, 12 minutes they get paid for, uh, for walking from one side of the platform to the other. 
you know, there's all these kind of weird Spanish practices, like uh, they're, they're, they're against apparently having to make their own way if they're having to work at a particular site. Yes. You know, like the rest of us would have to do. Like if I'm told we're doing a show from Westminster, I get to Westminster. Some, some right? of these management practices, I mean, they're so archaic. Yeah. It's laughable. The fact that the maintenance crew at Euston can't go and do a bit of maintenance when something goes wrong literally half a mile down the road at King's Cross. Yeah. I mean, it's just... It's, it's nothing short of pathetic is. and childish. Yeah. And if they want to be taken really seriously, rather than bullying and threatening, mm. then they need to <clears throat> show some modernisation up front in a sort of really constructive, positive way. Absolutely right. A couple of tweets have come in. Uh, here's one from Sam, uh, who doesn't quite get uh, what uh, political discourse is all about. He says, you're supposed to be the king of common sense. Penny Mordant, question mark. First time I've ever felt it painful listening to you. Just admit you were wrong and stop protracting this nonsense. I mean, what does Sam think I should do then? Why would I admit that I'm wrong to have an opinion, Sam? That's what we do here at Talk TV. Uh, And as far as being painful to listen to just because you don't agree with me, I think you might need to go and see a doctor. But of course, you won't be able to see a doctor because you can't see a doctor. How about this one? Um, There was another one here. Uh, I'll tell you again, the establishment will get the Prime Minister they want, not what the people want by good means or foul. Most likely foul. They manage it with May uh, as a leader, says Kevin. And this is another good one from John. Mike, I think your defence of Penny Morden is going too far. Enough concerns have been raised there to warrant proper scrutiny. It seems to me she's not the person I thought she was. It feels to me that actually your listeners, Mike, they're they're actually backing up my my position on this. But no, because they're just misunderstanding it because of your ridiculous smears right basically i have not said she shouldn't be scrutinized i've said scrutinize away all i'm questioning is the manner in which she's being scrutinized and why people like lord frost who is not let's face it the greatest politician that ever walked the earth as some people seem to think you know he's the guy that quit his job and he said yesterday i don't on a think... matter of principle because well, he wasn't that's... happy with the policy well that's what he that said shows integrity and principle well, and it he doesn't. should be lauded no, it and doesn't. applauded for that no it doesn't of course he... it does. no, he... absolutely no it doesn't he should have been the man that made brexit work that's what he was put there to do he didn't do it he failed therefore he's a loser in my view no, i don't think we should not. take anything he says seriously uh, without question you should take what he says seriously because he identified the problems and the truth was that the pri- he felt the prime minister was going wrong on a number of issues not just brexit but in particular on issues dear to your heart, such as net zero. He said the policies were wrong and had to be changed. So I think actually he showed real integrity and he was the first one who said, I can't continue in this cabinet that's taking the country in the wrong direction. He resigned, let's remember, uh, six months before Sunak and uh, Sajid Javid. And I think that uh, that showed real courage. He was in a sense, a bit like you last year, he showed some vision and he stuck with it, unlike you who then who then changed and dipped um, and dipped. You can't help yourself. <laughs> How about this one? Lord Frost failed utterly on the Northern Ireland Protocol and should have been cast to oblivion. He certainly did not deserve to be made a peer of the realm. I mean, why was he made a peer of the realm before he did that well, anyway? He, he, he was essentially made a peer in order to be uh, to be able to join the Cabinet. Right. I thought he was a man of principle. Oh, well, but he doesn't mind joining the Cabinet well, by, no, f- f- by, by means other than being elected. Well, he felt he could serve, and I think that's a very noble thing to, he got that uh, wrong. to offer the offer to He serve. got that wrong. Well, but this is the thing. I mean, the point about all of this uh, is that Lord Frost should not be being judged to be like the man no, without no, 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 sin. He's, he's, he, his views uh, should be taken seriously because he's wo- worked closely with Penny Mordaunt. And I think, it's as, as we've said, it's right that she's scrutinised. It's right that those who criticise her equally that their criticisms are scrutinised. And and I think essentially your position is that you're confident she'll be able to answer those questions. I think she will. You, you've, you've, you've made that conclusion. I think some of your uh, viewers you know, and listeners are, are saying you may have made that conclusion a little bit early, 
we're going to learn a lot over the next 72 hours, aren't we? We certainly are, and I'm looking forward to that. But I think the point is it's too early to judge, and I think you should take an open But you've view. already made your judgment, because well, you no, supported I've, <laughs> I've told you I'm supported her, unlike most people who don't like supporting anybody because they don't want to put their first foot forward because they're frightened of falling on their face. I'm not frightened of that, because it never happens. And Penny Mordant, to me, is the best of the bunch, right? Tom Tugendhat, too inexperienced too much of a Remainer uh, in the same way that too much of an EU fan, same as uh, as, as uh, Liz Truss, who was a Remainer and who now claims not to be. No, but she's, she's, demonstrated, she's demonstrated her commitment to Brexit ever since. I think that's that's absolutely fine. Yes, but fundamentally, she's not a Brexiteer. And I think whoever runs this country needs to have been one of those. Kemi would be second on my list after Penny Mordaunt. Rishi Sunak, absolutely a no-no. And, you know, and at the end of the day, I just think she's the best candidate. And it's it's a, there's, a, there's a really interesting point you, you touched on about... Uh, no, sorry, one of the, um, the, the tweets came in as to whether or not the establishment will get the person they want. And actually, I wonder whether that may not be the case unless the MPs essentially stitch up the top two. But uh, in reality, probably Sunak is the establishment candidate. But I think genuinely that Sunak will lose to almost any of the other candidates except Tugendhat. Mm. And there's no chance. I don't think there's any chance. I think he'll be next to drop out. Tugendhat. I think he'll be the next to drop out. And but I think that Sunak would lose to uh, any of Liz Truss, Penny Mordaunt, or Kemi Badenoch. Mm. That's that's where. So in that sense, I think that the establishment may lose out because the uh, the Conservative Party membership. Um, I think will we'll quite probably, given that they're very strong Brexiteers, um, I think they will go another way. Yeah, I think so. We'll look forward to hearing your views on Sunday. Richard Tice back on Sunday, uh, unless you're going off somewhere to, you know... I'm here on Sunday. Stuff. The He's snakes here. and ladders of the competition, snakes, the leadership challenge, ladders, we'll be back. rats, sinking <laughs> ships, the whole lot. Uh, we'll see you after this. On the app, talk radio and talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Morning, Mike, says Judy. Your discussions with Richard Tice need to be used as training for university students to demonstrate to them that it is possible to disagree with somebody pleasantly without cancelling them. Very well said. I think I could not agree more. I love arguing with Richard Tice, and I love the fact that we can have those discussions here at Talk TV uh, without falling out, because in the end, that's what people have been doing for so long in politics. They can't disagree without hating one another. Well, I don't hate Richard Tice. Why would I? How about this uh, from Brad in Cambridge? David Frost spouts on about integrity, yet shows that he has a complete lack of it. The man is a snake, and if anything, his rant will push even more people towards Penny Morden. I think that's right. Uh, Richard Tice will never be able to prove Mike wrong, seeing as he's always right, says Emma. Well, of course, you know, that is well known. I am always right. Let's talk now to Andrew Bowie, who's a Conservative MP for West Aberdeenshire and Kincardine. Uh, I believe he's going to tell me why he thinks Rishi Sunak should be the next Prime Minister. Andrew, very good uh, morning to you. Morning, Mike. How are you doing? Yeah, very well. Thanks very much for joining us. Rishi Sunak is your man. Tell us why. Certainly is. Uh, Rishi's the only one that's been, of all the candidates, that's been testing the crisis, has been shown that he can deliver at the top of government. Uh, I think he's exactly what the country needs. We're facing really difficult times ahead with the cost of living situation being what it is and multiple other issues uh, facing us as a country and indeed across the West. And that's why I'm backing Rishi to be leader because I think he has what it takes. Now, don't you worry, though, that people, particularly those in the um, in the shires, as it were, the people who are members of the Conservative Party, who in the end will decide this, um, will say, yeah, but he was in the government, uh, which basically has taxed us more than any other government has taxed us since the Second World War. He was also in the government uh, that gave away five billion quid to fraudsters uh, who managed to uh, remove that money as part of the uh, uh, the sort of the furlough, the bounce back loan system, all of that. Uh, he's also a man who's presided over um, a very, very unfortunately expensive 
uh, episode for the government where more and more money was, was, was created. And we now owe even more money than we did when he became chancellor. So, you know, he is responsible for an awful lot of that as well, isn't he? Well, we owe more money now than he did when, he, when we did when he became chancellor because, you know, we went through a global pandemic and he led the economic response to that. You know, 11 million. Yeah, but our economy, our economy's down the tubes, Andrew. Well, which is exactly why we need somebody with a strong hand on the tiller to get us back to a better place, which is what he will do. Yeah, but he Look, got us here, though. Million, Didn't Mike, he? Mike, 11 million jobs were saved as a result of the furlough scheme. You just mentioned the furlough scheme. 700,000 of them were saved in Scotland. And yeah, we are uh, having to spend money to get out of the place that we are right now, which is caused as a result of the pandemic and Vladimir Putin's illegal war in Ukraine. But he's the chancellor that's given people £330 back uh, by raising the national insurance threshold. He's given £150 back to band A to D uh, council taxpayers. That's a drop in the ocean. Energy, it's a drop in the ocean. Off energy bills, and that's what he's done as Chancellor and will continue to yeah. do. Yeah, but uh, hang on, Andrew, well. hang on. That's all very well for you to say, but that's not policy that lots of people in this country want. You know, I'm one of the people that got the £150 rebate, right? I went through the process to get it just to see how easy it was. It wasn't very easy. And if I really needed the money, um, it's literally one month and a half of what I pay in council tax in any event. So it's not really going to help people who are in dire straits. You can't give money to people. You have to somehow release the cost of living and make it cheaper for people, surely. So tax them less, right? No, tax them less. Don't just hand them my money so that they can go and buy some food. But Mike, the vast majority of people on Band A to D will have been very much helped by the no, they won't. Maybe because, not you. No. Maybe not you. No. Maybe not me. No, I'm the not talking. No, no, no. You, misun- no, you misunderstand. No, and you misunderstand. What I'm saying is, is if you really needed the money, it's worth one month and a half of what you're paying over the course of the year. That's of no use to anyone. Look, Rishi Sunak is a tax-cutting uh, conservative. No, he, he wants to be in a place. Yes, he is. He's put yes, 12 he's different yeah. taxes on us since he got in. He wants to cut taxes, but we can't do that with the economy being in the place. Well, that don't it is call right it. Now. Yeah, but don't We've call him a tax. Don't, but hang on, don't call him a tax-cutting chancellor. He hasn't cut any tax. Well, he has. He has by raising the national insurance threshold, and actually demonstrated by his actions that he has cut taxes, and we're going to cut more taxes. But we can't just do that now with inflation out of control, with the economy in the place that it is right now. So that's why we've got to get him in number ten, so he can take the action necessary to get us into a good place, so that we can cut taxes in the years ahead. And that's a much more sensible plan than I've heard from any of the other candidates. Well, I don't think it is because I think the problem is a lot of people feel uh, that he has made it much more difficult. People's lives have become more expensive as a result of the taxes that he has put on and also the taxes that he's increasing uh, going forward he still hasn't said he's going to cut corporation tax he's going to put it up isn't he from 19% to 25% you know he has ignored an awful lot of small business owners who have said that they needed help there was an awful lot of people that he didn't help during the pandemic three million of them and none of them got any money at all and what's he going to say to them there are businesses Mike there are businesses that are still functioning today employing people in this country today because of the actions that Rishi took as Chancellor during the pandemic 11 million people had their jobs saved because of the actions that Rishi Sunak took as Chancellor. And he is going to be a tax-cutting Conservative Prime Minister, but it would be completely uh, and utterly irresponsible if he was to pledge to arbitrarily cut taxes across the board. We heard one of the candidates earlier this week announcing plans to cut taxes that would account to taking 2% of GDP out of the economy with no plan to fill that hole. He's not going to do that. He's going to come with a sensible, managed plan to get inflation under control so we can drive the economy into a better place and then we can cut taxes for the majority of people, which is what I think is a very sensible, conservative plan to do. And if he, as we are told, disagreed with Boris Johnson so much about policy, why did he wait so long before he resigned from his job as Chancellor? 
Well, I think he was doing a good job as Chancellor. I think the country owes him a huge debt. I don't think very many people will say that in the heartlands of Toryland. Uh, well, I think if they reflected, then they would, because yeah, as I, I've been through his record as Chancellor of the Exchequer. It's an amazing record, a, a record of delivery forged in the heat of a crisis uh, that we were facing as as, as a, the Western world was facing uh, two years ago. And he will continue to go on and deliver if he's elected prime minister. So the reason he didn't resign was because he was doing such a good job delivering for the country uh, in number 11 Downing Street. And that's why I want yeah, to but, see him next door. In but number people, 10. people have been clamouring for some help with the payments that they've had to make now for petrol for months in the same way as they're going to be clamouring for help uh, over the, 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 the huge cost of heating your home. And everybody knows that there are two things he could have done. He could have made the fuel duty less. He could have reduced VAT. He could have reduced the green levy. He's done none of those things, which presumably would mean that he's not planning to do any of those things in the future. And that's what an awful lot of grassroots Tories say to me day in and day out. And all he did was he gave him 5p off a litre of petrol, which you might as well have, have just not bothered with. Well, Mike, I represent one of the largest constituencies in the country. I have a vast rural constituency, so I know more than most the issues around fuel poverty and the issues around people needing to use their cars to get to and from uh, their workplace. And I agree, right? We're, we, we should be doing more to cut the... the what well, is he the, planning the, to? Have you, I mean, what, what's his, uh, what's his pump, plan to do more? Well, Rishi's going to be expanding all, on all of this in the weeks ahead as the competition uh, runs its course, as the leadership election uh, runs its course. I think what we need to do and what he plans to do is to get inflation under control, to get the economy in a good place, and then be in a place where we can take action to support people. Indeed, cutting the cost of living, cutting taxes. That's exactly what we need, and that's what we want. And how's he going to get inflation under control? As I said, Rishi will be making clear. We'll hear more from him tonight in the television debates, uh, tonight, Sunday night, and Monday night. We're going to see more in the hustings next week. And when we go out to talk to party members across the country, uh, Rishi's going to be presenting all of his plans for the economy, but not just the economy, for security, for our defence posture, and everything else that Conservatives really care about for the environment, for agriculture, as we move forward. All of this is going to become clear. And I think that it's really important as MPs, we get him into the final two, so he's able to go and make that pitch to the country, and then can expand on those plans that he wants to enact when he comes to Prime Minister. OK, we should wait and see. Andrew Bowie, thank you very much indeed. Conservative MP for West Aberdeenshire and Kincardine. Uh, do you go along with that? Rishi Sunak, I don't think is the answer. And I'm pretty sure most of you don't think it's the answer either. 0344 499 1000. This is Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. The only place where you will hear the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And it's also the unvarnished truth, which in this day and age of spin, uh, of people giving you propaganda, people telling you stories about what they think is actually happening. What we do is we tell you what is actually happening. For example, the Metropolitan, uh, not the Metropolitan Police, uh, the Met Office, I should say, uh, have decided to put out a red extreme weather warning for the first time ever, right? Now, according to uh, my spies in other parts of the country, i.e. outside of London, outside of South East and South West England, there's no heat wave, right? Up in Scotland, in Anstruther, in Fife to be precise, thanks to Charlie, uh, we're looking at 15 degrees. We're looking at maybe 14 degrees. We're looking at it possibly going up to 18 degrees. Now that, I'm sorry, by any stretch of imagination, is not a red extreme weather warning. We've also got Dave, uh, who's in Cleveland, uh, in North Yorkshire, where they're saying there's going to be a major weather alert. The prediction is that on Tuesday, it will be 24. On Monday, it'll be 22. On Sunday, it'll be 23. Today, it's only 19. So let's not panic, shall we? Let's not move into a refrigerated area just yet, okay? Let's just calm down and remember, it's summertime and it gets a little bit warm. 
And if you can, try and keep cool. One of the tips I've got from somebody called Kim uh, is that you can draw the curtains in the house. That's always a good idea. Uh, and you can also put a flannel, a wet flannel, in the fridge and keep it cool. Or put it even better in the freezer where it gets all hard and then you take it out and it gets really soft and wet for you. It keeps you cool. If you've got any more cool tips, let us know. Uh, you know what to do. You can tweet us at IROMG at Talk TV. Let's talk now, though, uh, to Mr. Richard Taylor, who is down in Welsh Wales for us. How's it going down there, Richard? Uh, Mike, yes. Well, good morning. It's absolutely fantastic. You know, yesterday I spent the whole day on Port Island Beach here in Wales and it was absolutely glorious sunshine. I posted a video on Twitter because I don't get these alarmists telling us there's a massive heat wave. We're all going to die. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's called summer for goodness. Sake. I know. What's with these people enjoy it i mean we spent months and months and months in the dark watching the rain falling down on the street you know i believe we may have got uh we may have acquired this video of which you speak let's have a look at it apparently there's a huge health warning on because we are having a heat wave but guess where i am on the beach <laughs> here in wales in port Ainan. my little setup there look there's been a bottle of echo falls there cheap wine look uh, look at the views look magnificent beautiful and they think that I'm going to stay indoors because of a heat wave. They can get stuffed. Listen, whatever you do, don't send that to visit Wales. That's probably one of the worst beaches I've ever seen. Looks like a yeah, dump. Well, Why is there well, nobody well, else well, there? No, the tide was out, mate. <laughs> if anything, the tide was out. Port Island is beautiful. On is the it? Gower coast, the Gower Peninsula is beautiful, mate. The Gower, listen, I've been to the, I got sunburned once on the Gower Peninsula. It was that good. <laughs> I didn't know it was going to be such nice weather. I spent a weekend uh, there down the road from uh, the Mumbles. And you'd, be, and you'd be pleased to know as well, they weren't selling uh, Jerry. Jerry, and what's his ice cream? The Snowflake lot? They don't sell that down there. Oh, no, absolutely Jerry not. Jerry and Berries, that's the one, isn't no, it? I mean, Wales, I mean, I have to tell you, Wales is a beautiful country, except for when the tide goes out. When the tide goes out, it's <laughs> horrendous. I used to stay at St David's uh, Spa down in uh, Cardiff Bay. Um, and when it's a beautiful scene there. You know, you go out on the balcony, you see this gorgeous kind of, you know, harbour. And then one morning I woke up, went out to the old balcony, and the tide had gone out, and all the boats were just lying on mud. It was horrible. <laughs> Just disgusting. But anyway, um, that's that's enough. About, but it is ridiculous, this whole nonsense. I mean, like I say, up in Scotland, up in North Yorkshire, parts of uh, the northwest, it isn't very warm at all. So they're sitting there listening to this going, what do you mean extreme red weather warning? Yeah, I, I know. You know, it's crazy, right? They locked us up for the best part of 18 months, right? Then we had the winter and we're all locked. You know, it's all miserable and depressed because the weather's crap outside. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we get some beautiful sunshine. And now it's like, don't go out because you're going to die. No, you, can, you just go out and enjoy. And the thing is, Mike, this is the thing. We can't go on holidays abroad to get the sun because they're cancelling all the flights. Yeah, right. Well, that's the thing. I'm surprised Drakeford hasn't put a tax on sun cream or something. <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> Talking of Drakeford. Yeah. yeah they, they, they passed a law this week in the Welsh Parliament, as you know, Mike, uh, that now it's gone from 30 miles per hour in residential areas to 20 miles per hour. That is now in law in Wales, the first part of the UK to introduce it, which is absolutely absurd. It's going to cost around £32 million. They're going to change the signs, put more speed bumps in. And I, I just watched the whole debate in the Welsh Parliament this week, and one girl, Sean, for me, her name's Natasha Ashgar. She's a Conservative MP down mm. here, or MS, I should say, in Wales calling it absolutely ridiculous. Now, I don't mind speed limits 20 miles an hour outside schools or where there's children. I get that. But all across Wales, 20 miles an hour? What, for what the whole country? Are you saying that you can only drive at 20 miles an hour in the whole country then? 
Absolutely. It's across the board. It's now the default speed. They've taken it from 30 miles per hour. Mm. So for those of you who don't know what's going on in Wales, I am the Welsh correspondent. Of course you are. TV, as you can see, but you're right. I, I don't know how you managed to get that. Put that away. <laughs> I, I, I'll bring it back. Don't worry. Yeah, I mean, it's just absolutely absurd. It's because they want this all, not in cars, on bicycles. They want this all to walk and go on bi- I know if, if you're an elderly person, you know, you, you can't ride a bike, can you? Let's be honest. No. So what, what are they doing? They're well, I mean, have a look at, uh, if, you want, if you want evidence of that, have a look at Joe Biden. You know, <laughs> he, fell, he fell off his bike. He wasn't even going anywhere. Uh, I was thinking of Joe Biden this week, and I thought <laughs> with these candidates, which we're going to come to talking for the Tory leadership, I yes. thought, what an endorsement. If Joe Biden <laughs> endorsed Rishi Sunak, that would be the end of his <laughs> That career. would be the end. I mean, speaking of, speaking of heat wave, Joe Biden's in Saudi Arabia today, right, where it's about 50 degrees. So, you know, we'll, we'll send him all the best. He, he shouldn't go outside. He certainly shouldn't go bike riding, that sort of heat. Like, no, I wouldn't let him go bike riding. He wouldn't find his way home, would he? But he is half the time, let's be honest. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, let's talk about the leadership uh, contest because heating up, we got down yeah. to the final five. I'd like to see one of them disappearing tonight, you know, in the debate. We should have like a, you know, fastest finger first kind of big, you know, X-Factor style buzzer yeah. and just go, you're out, you know. But uh, but who uh, are you looking at as the person to, to emerge uh, victorious? Well, well, it's difficult. I, I'm speaking, I'm not a member of any particular party myself, but I've got conservative values. I think with Rishi Sunak, or Snakey Sunak, as I'm calling him, yes. you know, this was a man that had a plan all along. He knew what he was doing, you know, months and months before, even the website he had built, the slick video. Yes, we can talk the fact he's got plenty of money, so he's out of touch with the red wall voters, the working class people. But you can't judge a man for the fact that he's got money. You know, he's got it for, for whatever reason. He has got an awful lot of it, though. Yeah, he has got an awful lot of it. But my point is this, you know, to win the next election, they've got to find the right person that can win the next general election. Yes. And right now, for me, Rishi Sunak would be a liability coming to the next general election. He's out of touch. Here mm. is a man who's talked about I want to cut taxes. I want to deal with inflation. Well, he oversaw this. He locked the country down for 18 months and his cabinet, of course, Boris Johnson, ruined the economy. Inflation is at 9.1%, heading for 11%. All of this is under his watch as the chancellor. He's responsible for it. And so he's coming out with this idea. Look, I've got the best fiscal plan. I know to get us out of the situation that we face with the cost of living crisis. But what's he been doing then for the last few years as the Chancellor? Absolutely nothing. And they're blaming it on this globally. And what they're saying is this, look, the reason why we're here is because there's a war on in Ukraine, right? It's because of a global inflation. No, the UK economy has been screwed up by Rishi Sunak, who's responsible for it. He's got no plan for it. And in my opinion, he would be a massive liability. And there's a disconnect, Mike, isn't it? Because you look at the parliamentary party, of course, he's in favour with them with the numbers, but the Conservative members that will get the final say, 180,000 or 200,000 or so of them, I don't believe, looking at all the polls, that they like Rishi Sunak no. because he's not a tax-cutting Conservative. No, of course and he's not. And he, sho- the and he shows no um, um, sort of likelihood of becoming that 
tax-cutting Conservative that we want. We spoke to Andrew Bowie a bit earlier on, who's a sporting sunak. He's the MP for one of the places up in King Carden, up in Scotland. You know, he said, oh, yes, well, he will be uh, the tax-cutting. Well, I'm not interested in what he will be. You know, he might be, uh, you know, the king of, uh, of all space and dimension at some point. But at the moment, that's not the guy he is at the moment. He's the guy that's not helping anybody uh, with the cost of living. He's not cutting taxes. In fact, he's putting them up. And so, therefore, I think an awful lot of people would say he's not the guy. We were just showing, as you were talking there, the latest information that we've got. Penny Mordaunt now the favourite with the book. He's four to five on. Uh, we've also got uh, our own poll going here in which uh, Kemi uh, Badenak uh, is going to be the likely uh, Tory leadership uh, poll winner that they want. 40% of people say they want her. And when it comes down to Rishi Sunak, he's down at 9%. So he's not popular with, with Talk TV uh, viewers. Also, I've got this from YouGov, the latest who is most likely to win a general election. Penny Mordaunt, 29%. Rishi Sunak, 17%. And the rest further down than that. So I think Penny Mordaunt is definitely the, the, the one to watch. I know that people have got issues with some of the things that she's said in the past, and I get that. I yeah. just think, you know, Kemi Badenak is not quite ready for prime time. I, I think you're right. Kemi, I, I posted something on Twitter earlier who would people like to see as the next prime minister. And of course, we have certain audiences on our Twitter followers, as you know, right? And lots of them have said Kemi, but I think with Penny Morden, she, for me, I watched her at the dispatch box. I watched her rip Angela Rayner apart yes. so many times, superbly. And I think she would be good. She's very charismatic. She's got a bit of flair about her. There is something about her. There are questions over things she's been involved in the past on policy issues. But, you know, it's like Boris. Boris won this not because of policies, but because of his personality. That's why people voted for him in 2019. Mm. And I think if the Conservative Party want to win the next election, they need to have a look at the kind of person. Yes, they need to have good policies, but also you do need personality to be a good you leader. Do. You've got to have it. And I think, I think she's got it in bags, Mike. I think she's really good at the dispatch box. Yeah. You know, the way she comes across, she's very charismatic. And I think... With the general public, I think she's got, as you pointed out the polls today, she's the front runner. And I think it's between her and Liz Truss to get to the last two. And I hope that is Penny Morden, because I'd like to see you the next yeah. Prime Minister. That's my opinion. Well said. And I can't get out of my head that, that video that's doing the rounds of Rishi Sunak when he was quite young, you know, talking to somebody about the people that he had who were his friends. You know, I have some friends who are, you know, aristocrats and I have some other friends who are who are upper class and, and I have some other friends who are, who are working class. Oh, actually, no, I don't have any friends who are working class. And you just go, mate, you know, if you were in a bar with a bloke like that, you know, it wouldn't end well for him, would it? <laughs> No. Oh, I'd never be in a bar with a bloke like that, especially not down here in Wales. Anyway, I don't think he's been out. to that. I don't think he's been to that beach. You were slumming no, no, it around. He on definitely there. hasn't been there. He's probably been to the Hamas and Hawaii and places like that. But I just don't think he connects with the general public no. or even his own his own conservative member partners members. I don't think he connects with them. And as as we pointed out, and you have on numerous occasions, Mike, I think what he's done. He was part of the cabinet with Boris Johnson, and a lot of those that were part of the cabinet, they signed up to Boris Johnson's manifesto pledges. They were part of implementing these policies that have got us to where we are, and the country needs something new. It needs something fresh. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. Penny Morden's no Margaret Thatcher, okay? Uh, she's not Theresa May, thank God, because yeah. she was the worst prime minister we've ever had, in my opinion. But I honestly believe that she stands a real good chance when it goes to the final round, which we'll know then by the 5th of September who the next prime yeah. minister will be. And she'll be a breath of fresh air. I think you know, so. Kem, I, I, I like Kemi as well. You know, she's, an, she's against the anti-woke stuff, which you and I believe in. Yeah. And I've always said this. 
The next Prime Minister has to cut the tax on fuel, get rid of the Green Levy, deport illegal immigrants and stop bending to the woke religion on trans and climate. If they do that, they get my vote. Absolutely right. Stay where you are. Uh, we're going to talk to you about a few more things. Richard Taylor coming back uh, right here on Talk TV. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Back tonight, of course, from nine o'clock, because uh, after the debate, you'll want to know what we thought of it. You'll want to know who did well. Uh, will uh, Kemi Badenoch or Badenoch? I keep, call- keep going backwards and forwards. I keep being told it's Badenoch for sure, uh, but it looks like Badenoch. Uh, basically, uh, Will she be bad enough uh, to make a name for herself? Will she be good enough uh, in order to actually impress people who so far have not voted for her? Will uh, Penny Morden be as good as she was when she launched her campaign the other day? Will Liz Truss be able to find the room? Because, of course, she couldn't find her way out of the room she was in yesterday. And she is by far and away the worst public speaker. Rishi Sunak, I think, will come across, as he always does, as a little bit snake-like, a little bit slimy. Andrew Bowie, uh, says Les Stevenson, I have a bridge to sell him. Uh, Sunak's tax-cutting Chancellor. If he thinks another two years of Sunak's economic mismanagement is what the UK needs, he is seriously deluded. I will never vote for a party led by Sunak. Um, and how's this from uh, Mark, who says, oh, I think I've already read that one out. Uh, Paul says, uh, interesting discussion with Richard Tice. One big question about Kemi is why she voted in favour of vaccine passports. Penny didn't. This is a significant distinction for me and why I'm supporting uh, Penny Mordaunt for Prime Minister. Tom Tugendhat, also I voted against vaccine passports. We're talking to Richard Taylor um, here. Richard, um, you know... It's not that long ago, if you think back to the days of people like Sajid Javid, he wanted to fire people for not uh, getting vaccinated. Uh, They wanted to bring vaccine passports in for almost every sporting event, almost anything that you did. You'd have to show a vaccine passport to get on a plane. I mean, it doesn't seem that long ago that we were talking about all that stuff and nobody really talks about it anymore. Uh, well, I, I think the, the political you know, spectrum wants to move on from there, but we can't because I, I was very, uh, very active you know, against vaccine passports, Mike, as you know, attended many protests and yes. was part of the Together Declaration. And I seen it as a, you know, the state trying to control us in such a way you know, to show your papers to enter into any part mm. of society was absolutely abhorrent. Uh, but none of these things have been mentioned apart from the people I'm speaking to on Twitter or on social media. So I think... There is a sense of we're looking for a candidate, but look, whichever candidate people are going to go for, they're not going to tick all the boxes, are they? There's going to be That's issues what I say. that you don't agree with. And mm. so at the end of the day, it's a you know the best sort of a bad bunch. And you've got to look at it. And once again, it comes down to one crucial factor. They have to find the right person that can win them the next general election. Now, even if it was someone that you know was in support of vaccine passports, which I I I found abhorrent, right? But you know, we were left with what we're left with. We've got mm. these five candidates left. One of them's got to win it. So we've got to find the best one that can win the next general election. Or the consequences are we'll end up with Stammer and Sturgeon, and then the country's definitely going to go down yeah. the Swanee if they're, they're, if they're in charge. And, and we lose the next election. Yeah. And, and I don't want I think, that. And you're absolutely right. I mean, I think it is time now for another woman... Um, a pr- prime minister, not in the in the in the mould of Theresa May, but very much in the mould of Penny Morden uh, or Kemi. You know, I would I would support Kemi honestly if I thought that she had a chance. But I think Penny has a better chance, and that's what I keep saying. But basically, I think Keir Starmer would absolutely be finished dealing with a woman because as much as he uh, thinks that he's Mr. Woke and he's Mr. Uh, sort of smart and clever and all that, he still doesn't actually know what a woman is. So every time Penny Morden got up, she could make that joke. And say, I realise you don't know what I am. Let me tell you, I'm a woman. And he'd be stumped. He wouldn't know what to do. 
Well, I know. <laughs> I can't believe we're having this conversation in 2022, <laughs> right? Trying to define by politicians what a woman is. Yeah. I mean, if that's I a know. defining factor to win the leadership race, then we're in a we are in a serious mess. Like, let's be honest about it. But I do think with Kemi and you know Suella knows out of the race as well. You know, these were out, they're outsiders, and it's it's happened before. You know, to have someone fresh, different, who's not been part of the cabinet that's made some of these policies that have got us to where we are. I'd think it'd be quite refreshing to have someone new and someone with a vision. And at the moment, it looks to me as if these hustings now starting tonight on Channel 4, I think it is, yeah, it which is. I never watch Channel 4, but I'll be watching it tonight, yeah. right? Um, you know, it, uh, their performance now from, from the pulpit, as it were, is going to determine whether or not they get through to be the last two. And, and that's very important. I, I do believe that the three t- runners, as you mentioned, Rishi Sunak, uh, Penny Morden and uh, uh, Liz Truss. The thing is with Liz Truss, she is so uncharismatic. That yeah, it's, it's like terrible. She, there's more life in Gandhi's flip-flop. I mean, there's just <laughs> no life there at all. There's just nothing. You know, you, you sit and listen to her. And she she's great on trade. Listen, post-Brexit, she was a Remainer, we know, but she's done some credible deals where most of those would have automatically happened, even if she wasn't. Someone else could have done it because, of course, we have to trade internationally with these countries. But... She doesn't inspire anything. No. She doesn't give you and we do need there. that. I mean, I'm really encouraged by the fact that so many people in this country are galvanised by the political debates that are going on. And I hope to think that, and I like to think that we played our part in getting people interested and getting people talking because the worst of, of all worlds is where we got to under Tony Blair, where the politics became so boring and dull that everybody just switched off. And look what happened. You know, we ended yeah. up getting all these things done that we didn't know were being done. So I think it's great that people are engaged with it. I think it's great that people have got opinions and they've got views. But it's important, I think, that we get uh, the leader that we deserve, which is somebody with a bit of oomph, you know, a bit of uh, character, uh, a bit of a sense of humour, somebody who can kick Keir Starmer around the commons without worrying about offending him. I think it'd be fantastic. Yeah, and I think as well, I was watching yesterday, Matt Hancock has come out. Oh, my God. You know why, mate? He just wants another job. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> do you know, I wonder. Him. I wonder whether the reason Sunak emerged as the front runner uh, is that he basically went to all of these people and said to them, "Look, you, if you get approached by Boris Johnson to to be offered a cabinet position after I've resigned, you just say no because then he'll have to resign and I'll give you a job in the new cabinet." I bet you he's done that because that's the kind of double dealing stuff that he would come out with. And that way, he got himself to be the front runner. But he's not the front runner anymore, um, and he will never retain that. But how about, let me read you this before we go. Back to the weather. This is from uh, somebody called Dreadnought. We are going to a lodge in Pickering in North Yorkshire for the weekend. We were going to get the North Yorkshire Moors Railway steam train to Whitby, but it's been cancelled in case they (laughs) cause a grass fire. (laughs) And he says, how did we transfer troops and munitions during the war? I mean, a grass fire, for heaven's sake. They, they, they told us we can't go on holiday because the flights are cancelled. They're having strikes on the railway, yeah. right? So what are you supposed to do? You can't drive your car too far because of the cost of fuel. I mean, you might as well just sit there in your back. <laughs> well, in Wales, <laughs> you can drive your car, but it'll take you a week to get anywhere because you only do 20 <laughs> miles an hour. I mean, stay on the beach, I think, is probably the answer. You can set yourself up in a little beach hut and, and away you go. This is great to talk to you. Richard Taylor there talking uh, as the voice of reason from Welsh Wales, as we like to call it. Uh, your guest, Andrew Bowie, uh, says Heaney uh, doesn't realise his Chancellor hasn't been facing up to his job responsibilities. Fishy Rishi didn't go to meetings, according to Nadine Dorries. Rishi was busy plotting against Boris Johnson. Let's not forget, this is the guy who formed himself into the Ready for Rishi candidate in December of 2021. He's been plotting the takedown of Boris Johnson for a long time. 
He's not to be trusted. He won't give you any tax back. And apart from that, he's very dull. I don't see him as Prime Minister at all. But we'll find out tonight, uh, because tonight uh, on Channel 4, that's the debate. Five, uh, and then there were five, the famous five, well, some less than famous five. Uh, we'll be then analysing it, telling you what we thought of it uh, all the way through the evening here at Talk TV. First of all, on The Talk from nine o'clock, and then from ten o'clock uh, with James Whale, of course, as well. Lots more going on. We're going to talk to Kevin O'Sullivan later on too, uh, because, of course, he and I will be taking to the airwaves tomorrow night, 7pm, uh, with the Saturday night talk away. Uh, last one for me before I go away. So uh, that's if I can get away. Uh, we'll let, tell you more about that next week. This is Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Lots going on. Uh, we're going to talk about energy. We're going to talk about the price of oil. Interesting uh, story just been published by Bloomberg here uh, in the UK. Rishi Sunak's push for green levy on petrol was blocked by the UK cabinet. Now, it says that the ex-chancellor back in the early part of this year, before petrol prices started going through the roof, uh, he privately lobbied to impose a green levy on petrol and diesel, uh, which would have led to even higher prices at the pump. He basically said that he wanted to tax the uh, energy companies uh, more in order to make sure that they were paying the price uh, for people using their product. He basically said uh, he wanted to put a price on pollution from road transportation as well as shipping, building, heating and diesel trains, which together would make up more than 40% of UK carbon emissions. According to three people familiar with the matter, the proposal was drawn up by the Treasury and submitted to Boris Johnson's office. It was rejected by the Prime Minister after opposition from other Cabinet Ministers. So uh, if you vote for Rishi, you'll be voting for even more green levies as opposed to fewer which I believe Penny Mordaunt would definitely go for. Speaking uh, of energy, speaking, of course, of fuel, and speaking of green policies, let's talk to our man uh, down in the West Country, Dale Vince, founder of Ecotricity. Dale, very good morning to you. Yeah, morning, mate. It's good to be back. Yeah, it's nice to have you back. Listen, I've been a bit disturbed, really, because all I, I keep seeing you on Talk Sport. I keep saying to him, would you get Dale Vince back <laughs> over here? They've nicked him from us. You keep going on Jim White's show. It's not, it's not good enough. I'm not having it. Fair enough. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't wait in the studio long enough last week. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's OK. Now, listen, um, interesting couple of stories to talk to you about. We'll get to the leadership candidates in a minute. Um, but the story uh, that I want to talk to you about, first of all, is the, is the problem with direct debits. Ofgem have come out with a list of companies uh, who they say rip people off on the direct debit front, and they've named yours as one of them. Shocking. <laughs> yeah, except they didn't say that, did they? Uh, they didn't say they ripped people off. They said they found some mild to, uh, I think it was between mild and severe across a group of six uh, companies um, uh, to do with direct debits, failures mild, of mild, documentation. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, yeah, but it's the same thing, off. isn't it? I, you no, know no, me, no. I, I like to cut it down to the bare basics of it. What they're saying <laughs> is, and I see, I've always advocated that direct debits to electricity companies are a bad idea because it means they can literally reach in with their hand and take your money uh, without asking you uh, if it's okay, which for a lot of people is a no-no. Yeah, I know what you mean. <clears throat> I feel a little bit like that about direct debits, not just for energy companies, but generally. But of course, it's uh, it's not without permission, and it does come with advance uh, warning. Every time a direct debit is taken, there's a, there's an advance notice of that through, through a bill, right, which tells you what's about to be taken. So it's a little bit better than that. But I feel a bit like that, uh, the same way as you do, Mike, you know. Yeah, I, don't like I mean, I, I mean, I, I just I basically pay for the electricity that I'm using. Uh, I don't wish to pay for the electricity that they think I might be using in the future. Mm. And I think that's where people make a mistake. And they and they try and get people to do it because it's a, it's a cheaper rate, isn't it? I mean, you offer people if, if they go to agree to be a direct debit customer, you offer them cheaper electricity. 
well, we don't, <clears throat> excuse me, we have one price for everybody. It doesn't matter how you pay. But I think um, <clears throat> also, Mike, there are two kinds of direct debit. You can have the one where you pay for just what you've used. We call it a variable direct debit. It means yeah. it changes every month. But a lot of people like to budget. They like to know what's going out every month. And so they have a fixed direct debit. Mm. And then you have a guessing game because you, you set the direct debit at a level that on average will keep the account in balance for a whole year. But of course, in the winter, we all use much more energy. So the direct debit won't actually be big enough. And in the summer, we use less. And so usually the direct debit is bigger than summer consumption. Mm. It's a kind of balancing act. So I don't like it much myself either. No, I mean, presumably, uh, if the summers continue to get warmer, people will start using uh, air conditioning units and fans quite a lot in the summer. So it might not be any cheaper by the end of it anyway. Well, that's possible for people that can afford air conditioning, right? I mean, there is a co cost of living crisis, an energy bill crisis of food. I mean, you know, everything's going up in price, right? Mm. And a lot of people are really struggling with basics like eating, let alone worrying about air conditioning yeah. bills. No, absolutely right. But I mean, people seriously are, uh, uh, if they are in, in very hot places in Britain, and I accept that a lot, most, I've just been saying an awful lot of the places in Britain are not that hot, but in the places where they are going to be very warm uh, over the next few days, you know, mm. um, that's, it's particularly for elderly people, you know, they should have an air conditioning. I mean, if you're talking about insulating people's homes, well, about you giving them some free air conditioning while you're at it? Yeah, well, insulation <clears throat> works um, to, to keep the heat out as well as to keep the heat in, you know. So uh, an insulated home will be cooler in the summer as well as warmer in the winter. OK, let's talk about the uh, the big debate tonight. Um, I know that you're not a Tory voter necessarily, but uh, you probably have a view on which one of these characters you'd like to see as the next prime minister. Um, who's your best? Who, who are you backing? Oh, my God, that's like uh, that's a real Hobson's choice. Isn't it? I mean, I, I look at that that bunch and I think, my God, which one would I least rather have? Uh, All right, or, well, or go that way then. Rather have. Yeah, I think maybe Penny Morden. I don't know. I was I was not a fan of Rishi's until you just broke this story to me anyway about his idea for green levies. He did miss out the aviation sector, right? Why? Why is that? I mean, there is no tax on aviation fuel. We have to put that right. But um, well, I mean, it wouldn't matter now because they're not going anywhere. Yeah, that's also true. Seriously, I think we as a country should choose the next prime minister. It shouldn't be left to 200,000 members of the Tory party that mostly live in the south of our country uh, to choose who the next that's prime not minister true. is. The reason you had such a big Tory majority is all the people in the north of the country that voted Tory instead of Labour. Yeah, but they don't get to vote for the prime minister now. It'll only be Tory party members. Yeah, but if they're the members, the they, yeah, but they might be members. They might have joined up. Fact is, there's 200,000 and they mostly live in the south. They're mostly white and they're mostly old men. Bit like you fact. then. That's why are you fact. not? Why are you like not one of them? You, right? Why are you not one of them? <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> you're bucking. But I think that's wrong. I you're bucking wrong. the trend. No, well, yeah, but it's not wrong because when you elect a government, they have a, a fixed term uh, that they stay in for. They can call an election any time they like, but you effectively elect the government uh, that you got in 2019, uh, and they are there uh, until 2024. So the next time you get to choose the government, you can choose the government in 2024. What's wrong yeah, with that? Yeah. We're talking about prime minister and not government. And most people think that Boris Johnson won the election for the Tories uh, in 2019 or whenever it was. I think he did. And now, now they've deposed him, right? Uh, it shouldn't be the Tory party that chooses the next prime minister. It should be us again in the no, country that chooses because, the prime minister. Because in the Monday. end, people put a tick in the box for a party. They don't necessarily vote for an individual. You can argue mm -hmm. that he was so much of a personality that people did. But at the end of the day, they vote for a party. The rules of that party are that they choose their leader in the same way the Labour Party do. Yeah, I think a lot of people voted for Johnson and they voted for the Tory manifesto. Both of those have gone out the window now. We should have another election. Yeah. What do you say to people who would argue that the reason that the world uh, is now in stuck economically, 
looking at Sri Lanka, uh, looking at uh, the, 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 the demonstrations in the Netherlands, uh, all of the problems that they've got in Europe uh, with the importation of gas from Russia is all driven by a green agenda uh, because it's been driven by the likes of you to make people go net zero. And net zero is bankrupting the world. The planet is going to die sooner economically than it is from climate change because of all you green maniacs. I think that's madness to say that. <clears throat> Clearly well, it's fossil well, fuels. Well, do you know right? why they're having riots in Sri Lanka? No, tell me. Go on. Because, because they've, they've, they've got rid of fertiliser. They won't use um, the, 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 the fossil fuels that they could use because they've been making things so expensive for people they can't afford to use fuel anymore. And it's all being driven by a green agenda. The same in, in the Netherlands. The farmers are, are up in arms because they're being told that they have to cut back on their livestock. Uh, they're also being told they can't use fertiliser there as well. You know, it's all being driven by net zero. And that's where economically the world is going. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say to you, Mike. Right? I mean, there are two two little examples there. What's driving well, it's not a little example. It's just Sri Lanka's in, in crisis. We're in What's crisis because of net zero. No, are we really? Is that why our food prices are going up yes. and our energy prices yes. are through the roof? Yes. And why yes. you know the roads are being repaired? The yes. NHS is on its knees. Yes. All of that stuff, really? Yes. No. Yes, it is, because the NHS has also got sustainability people who have been hired to get the NHS to net zero. You know, we've got a problem in this country with people who can't see any colour but green. Time to change. We've got a problem in this country with people that don't pay tax. That's what we have. Hundreds of billions well, a I'm not year one of them. are lost through tax loopholes. Me neither. Yeah. But we have a genuine problem that way. Yeah, well, if we collected all that tax, it still would all be going the wrong way to the green agenda. But we've got to run. I have to get you back in the office here. Come into the studio. Come and face me that. in person. And don't wear a vest or else that. we won't let you in. Um, <laughs> thank you, Dale. Good to see you. Dale Vince, uh, he's a good man, despite his clothing and dress sense. This is Talk TV. On the app, on your mobile, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Uh, it's not the hottest day of the year. Apparently that's going to be on Tuesday. Uh, some people in Lincolnshire uh, have sent me their promotions uh, for the weekend uh, and also what it's going to be like when uh, the Tuesday heat wave hits. 37 degrees possibly there in Lincolnshire. Um, but people are saying, for heaven's sake, we go on holiday to places where it's that hot. Have you ever been to Turkey on holiday? It's that hot. In Portugal right now, uh, it's 31 degrees already. Uh, I'm getting uh, a tweets in from all over the place, all over the world, in fact. In New York City, it was regularly in the high 30s every single day in August. It used to be called the dog days of August. Yes, they had a lot of air conditioning, but the streets of New York City were absolutely roasting. But people didn't stop going to work. People didn't stop taking their kids out. People didn't stop going out for dinner. People didn't stop all of the things that they would normally do. You know, we cannot be so terrified of the hot weather, for heaven's sake. 0344 499 1000. Coming up in this hour, uh, we're going to be speaking to Ian Williams. Uh, He is, of course, former foreign correspondent for Channel 4 News, NBC, and author of Every Breath You Take, China's New Tyranny. We're going to be asking him uh, about what's happening uh, with the economy in China, which has taken a bit of a turn for the worse, but also uh, what the Chinese government will do, uh, depending on who gets in as the next prime minister, what their relationship was with Boris Johnson, and what they would hope to have as a relationship uh, with whoever gets into power uh, come September the 5th. Ian, a very good morning. Good afternoon to you, I should say. How are you doing? Good afternoon, Mike. How are you? Yeah, very well indeed. Very well indeed. Uh, China's economy has been shrinking, um, apparently more than expected, partly due to uh, a bit of uh, zero COVID policy in the early part of this year. Um, How's it looking now? Um, It's not looking good. And I suspect the real figures are probably much worse. 
if China itself is putting out figures like this, the suspicion must be that things are probably worse than they're saying. I mean, I remember when I was based there, uh, I knew financial analysts who were so distrustful of Chinese statistics that they'd send people down to Shanghai port to count the number of trucks coming in and out and compare it month to month. Mm. But that said, these figures are, are, are pretty grim. I mean, almost no growth at all in the last quarter, down two and a half percent if you take it uh, on an annual basis, uh, largely because of the, the impact of COVID restrictions. Mm. Don't forget, they closed down Shanghai, the financial capital, uh, for over a month. Right. Um, and those lockdowns have, have continued and they've caused enormous economic disruption. But I think it goes, it's more fundamental than that. I think there are real economic problems emerging in China. You, you saw a hint of it last weekend when police quite brutally broke up, broke up a protest outside a, a bunch of banks in Henan province, mm. which points to the real weakness of, of um, the financial system, particularly, particularly local. It's so heavily indebted. Um, and so dependent as well on the property sector, yeah. where that bubble is is beginning to deflate as well. So pretty grim reading. Yes. Well, there was a piece in The Spectator, wasn't there, about these so-called Ponzi banks and zombie banks all over the place, which are in different provinces where, you know, they just haven't been able to handle all the debt that they've been in. That's right. And, and I think that's of huge concern to the Chinese leadership. I mean, a lot of them have been lending money out at very high interest rates to attract savers um, in order to be able to pay back the last lot that invested. So that's a classic Ponzi scheme. Mm. You take that on top of lack of transparency and the way they've been lending to well-connected local companies, well-connected local individuals. And of course, the government there is terrified of, of a, a possible social explosion because, of course, if your life savings disappear, you've really got nothing to mm. lose. And uh, we saw them actually trying to prevent protesters getting to Henan by manipulating the health codes. This is this so-called traffic light app that all Chinese are obliged to carry, which crunches a whole pile of different data about their health, mm. about their whereabouts, about their contacts. We don't know which data because it's a secret. Um, and then it comes up with a light, green, orange, or, or, or uh, yeah, um, uh, red, of course, yeah. to tell you whether you could move around or not. Mm. It's how people are policed. And they manipulated the health codes of protesters that were going to Henan. So they popped up red. Mm. Of course, there was no COVID risk where they were based, didn't have COVID, but it was merely to stop them being able to get there to um, jump up and down mm. outside the bank. Yeah, extraordinary. And what about the, the, the business of commerce with, with China? Because we hear all the time here that there's been very many um, supply chain problems, not least in uh, the cost of shipping things from Japan. So, for example, uh, if, a, if, the, if the cost of a container has gone up, say, by, by three or four fold, which I'm told it has, um, does that limit the amount of money that China can make from shipping their goods here? Well, it also makes their goods less attractive mm. because already costs in China were rising. And a lot of companies have been thinking, well, is it worthwhile us maintaining these supply chains in China mm. because they're open to disruption because of COVID and costs are getting much higher. But then if you take on top of that, the huge costs of actually shipping this stuff, then even if they are quite cheap items by, by Western standards, by the time you've got those extra costs, you're, you're 
benefit from production in China is rapidly disappearing. So presumably that hurts their economy as well, if, this, if, the, if the, sort of the GDP is being affected. It does. And, and we're seeing that because more and more companies are shifting their supplies. You know, there was a time when a, a lot of these companies, their sole criteria for where they based a factory was, well, what's cheapest? Um, but now it's changing and they're saying, well, what is what is strongest? What it, What is going to protect us from all sorts of disruptions? Uh, where can we go which is safest from all these jolts? So the sort of criteria companies are using for where they will place their factories um, is beginning to change. And it's no longer the case of where's the cheapest. And, and you know, that is also hitting China because, you know, companies are asking, where can we you know, best um, protect our business from disruption? Mm. And let's talk a little bit about the leadership contest. It's, it's unavoidable, really. Uh, sorry to bring it up with you, Ian. But um, China presumably would have had a view on Boris Johnson. They would have had a view on Liz Truss as well. Um, what would their view be, generally speaking, do you think, as far as these candidates and which one they they prefer to see getting in? I imagine they don't want to see Liz Truss get in because she's been the most forthright in terms of certainly in, in her rhetoric about China mm. and about the dangers of overdependence. Um, she hasn't hesitated in criticizing uh, what's going on in Xinjiang privately. She's described it as genocide. Mm. She's been very robust on, on Hong Kong. Some would argue that it's rhetoric and she hasn't really followed through and there's not been a lot of substance behind it. And certainly the government itself has had a very, very muddled policy on the one hand, thinking it can be forthright on, on politics and security, but believing it can be business as usual on economics, mm. even though China routinely uses markets, investment, trade as a means of coercion. Uh, Rishi Sunak um, has indicated that he wants to, to maintain and strengthen the economic relationship with China, believing that you can somehow separate that from other sort of strategic difficulties. I mean, I don't think that's possible. No. I think that if we've seen with, with, with Russia, there's a real danger in making yourself dependent on a tyrant. And it doesn't matter where that tyrant is, whether he's sitting in Moscow or Beijing. Uh, Penny is more of a blank slate. I haven't really, I've searched and I haven't found very much of substance that she's had to say mm. about China. So I'm not sure where she stands on it, but certainly the Chinese leadership will be following this very, very closely um, to see the extent to which um, Britain follows up with a lot of the criticism mm. that has certainly been, particularly from the back benches, and is prepared to take a more robust stance against Beijing. Yes. And presumably Beijing will also be watching the Middle East uh, this week as well. Joe Biden uh, currently in Saudi Arabia talking to them, presumably about strengthening whatever relationship they can have with regard to, um, to, to, to energy and that kind of thing. And where do they sit in, in, all, in all of that? The Middle East. Well, it's, I, I think this is Biden uh, swallowing all the rhetoric that he came out with during the campaign, holding his nose mm. and going in search of oil. Yeah. Um, because yeah, there needs to be reliable supplies coming from somewhere. But of course, he does open himself up to accusations of, of uh, hypocrisy in doing that. But China will also be looking quite closely because there are some in the Biden administration who say, let's cut tariffs the Trump era tariffs mm. that were imposed on Chinese goods as a short term way of bringing down inflation in the states. 
Um, but others say, well, that's pretty short-sighted because what sort of message are you then trying to send to, to China? Because you had these tariffs, these sanctions, um, as a way of penalizing China. Uh, and, and, and it's a very mixed message. If you then change them or remove some of the tariffs, because you want to improve your economic situation in the short term. Yes, it's going to be a fascinating few uh, weeks and months, I would imagine. Uh, Ian, I know you've got a new uh, book coming out, so we'll be seeing you very soon uh, to talk about that. Um, uh, what's that uh, What's that going to be focusing on mainly? Well, that's more looking at... Whereas um, Every Breath You Take was looking at China, the surveillance state, the impact in China, the impact international, internationally, uh, the new book, Fire of the Dragon, China's New Cold War, is focusing more on China's behaviour internationally, mm. the way it's throwing its weight around, the way it's bullying, the impact it's having, and, and the danger it poses to Taiwan, for instance, but also to ourselves and the way that we should be responding to that. And one of the fundamental questions it's asking is if, you know, governments have tied themselves in knots trying to define this new relationship with China, systemic rival, systemic competitor. But certainly China knows what it's dealing with. It has declared a form of Cold War on the West, which it's pursuing aggressively. Mm. And, and uh, you know, Western leaders need to, need to wake up to that. And I, I suspect, having seen some of these warnings recently from MI5 and others about Chinese activities, that this is going to be at the top of the entree uh, for the next prime minister. Mm. I'm sure it will be. Ian, good to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Ian Williams there, uh, former Channel 4 um, um, correspondent, of course, and NBC correspondent as well, uh, author, expert on China and what's going on there. Uh, we'll see uh, what China's reaction will be to uh, the leadership battle as it goes on. Got this from uh, from Edie, uh, who says, Mike, I'm in the Algarve. It's already 31 in the shade by 2pm uh, of a day. I'm out in the open cleaning horse fields. My tip for keeping cool, stop bloody moaning about it. Enjoy it and think of the firemen here doing their job in full gear well that's right uh, the algarve is in flames right now parts of it uh Quinta de Lago, lots of bushfires all over the place lots of people having to evacuate from their homes um we've got more to talk to you about more calls to take as well this is talk tv talk radio across the uk online on dab and on your smart speaker the independent republic of mike graham on talk radio if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.